watching Be The People, I'm Rishika Barua. More than a million people under the age of 50 are dying of cancer each year and this figure is only expected to rise by about 21% by 2030. This recent finding in a study published in the BMJ Oncology that explored global burden of early onset of cancer for 29 cancers worldwide has stunned many. It essentially goes on to bust the myth that cancer mainly affects the elderly. New research shows that it spares no one and that cancer in younger adults is a growing problem. The latest study that analysed 29 types of cancer across 204 countries has found that there's been a nearly 80% increase in the number of people under the age of 50 being diagnosed with cancer in the last three decades. The more grim news, over 1 million people under the age of 50 are dying because of cancer every year. But since this data comparison is over three decades, there are also factors like population and better reporting that need to be considered while we're looking at these alarming statistics. Be that as it may, there is a concern over the types of cancers as well. Cancers that were traditionally thought of as typical cancers that affect an older group of people are now increasingly being diagnosed in younger people as well. These include bowel, stomach uh, cancer, also pancreatic cancer, but breast cancer accounted for the largest number of cases and associated deaths in those under 50. But all the statistics as far as cancer is concerned are glaring. The World Health Organization has said that cancer is the leading cause of deaths globally, accounting for 10 million documented deaths in 2020 alone, which means that one in six people are dying due to cancer and these are just the official statistics. Breast cancer, lung cancer, colon cancer, rectal cancer, prostate cancer are the most common across all age groups and one third of all cancer deaths have been attributed to tobacco, high body mass index as well as alcohol consumption. But what really causes cancer continues to remain a mystery since perfectly healthy individuals with reasonably good lifestyles are also falling victims. The India statistic is also gloomy. According to the ICMR, which is the official government body, cancer cases are set to rise to 15.7 lakh by 2025, up from 14.6 lakh in 2022. Again, a health warning with these numbers. These are just the official figures. The good news in all of this doomsday scenario, however, is that many cancers can be cured if detected early and treated effectively. As cancer races ahead, science is not far behind. There are aggressive treatment protocols, newer and more effective treatments and better awareness about the disease. But the truth is that we are still playing catch-up. So how far are we from beating cancer? Can it be prevented? What do you need to know about this debilitating disease where treatment is often the sentence? As the disease proliferates every other home on We The People tonight, we look at decoding the cancer epidemic. Joining me, Dr. Sailesh Srikhande is the Deputy Director of the Tata Memorial Hospital in Mumbai. He's uh, currently joining us live from a conference in Italy. Appreciate you taking out the time. We have Dr. Nitesh Rohatgi. He's a Senior Director of Medical Oncology at the Fortis Hospitals. And Dr. Aviral Vats, a physician of the NHS, joining us from Scotland in the UK, which is currently experimenting with a seven-minute cancer jab, something that has grabbed international headlines. Dr. Srikhande, I want to begin by asking you, uh, you know, very briefly, if you could break down the statistics that we, I have just sort of tried to establish and explain to our viewers, you know, which is that cancer is, which was traditionally looked at as an older people problem, isn't just an older people problem anymore. The data goes to show that it's an everybody problem. It's affecting all age groups. 
Yeah. So I think uh, this is clearly a reflection of what's going on in our society in the modern world. Uh, I'm not surprised that you have this data from the BMJ and something like this is also going to get reflected over a period of time in the Indian setting as well. Uh, yes, you did quote the figures about uh, 15 lakh patients. We already have 14 lakhs or so if you look at a country of 1.3 billion. Uh, but mind you, we are living in an era of information technology. Far more information is available now than ever before. Apart from that, our ability to diagnose our ability to detect cancers has also increased thanks to modern technology as well as ever-increasing awareness which is linked to better literacy, uh, not just for India but for all countries like the low-middle income and the lower-income countries and not just the uh, Western or the European uh, hemisphere. Uh, with this, I'm not surprised that these numbers increase. Now, why do younger people get cancers? It's rather very obvious. Uh, that there is a huge change in our lifestyle. Specifically for India, we are seeing a major shift from rural population to urban population. And then there are so many of these things which are not ideal, uh, things which we did not learn from our grandparents, uh, but modern society and modern influences uh, make us ignore some of the basics. And then we land up with a problem where even at a young age, your immunity can get overwhelmed or compromised and then you can get cancer. Uh, Dr. Rothke, if I can come to you at the moment, uh, you know, statistics aside, even what one is seeing anecdotally, which is just in your peer group within, within friends and family, you know, there is an incidence or a case of cancer almost everywhere. How concerned are you about these statistics? Are we right, therefore, in calling this an epidemic? And what explains this exponential rise in cases? Yeah, I, I think I'll second what Dr. Sukhande said to some extent. Uh, we are seeing an epidemic, actually. I agree with you. Uh, even in the last 10 years that I've been practicing in India, I've seen um, the whole field get busier. And I think it is very important to see that certain cancers are uh, being center stage. Uh, we know cervical cancer was actually the front runner till a few years ago, breast cancer has taken over, which means breast cancer incidence, especially amongst young women, is rising. Uh, we do know that lung cancer remains center stage and is increasing rapidly. And we are seeing these patients in and out of our clinics. And, and the other one which concerns me is colon cancer, which I think in India is rising very rapidly in front of our eyes. And, and, and to some extent, Dr. Shikhande is, is right that there's a lot of factors that we can attribute to that, uh, including diagnostic ability, which has gone up hugely in, in uh, the last decade, in the last five years, in fact. Uh, the people's fear of cancer, which leads them to more testing, has gone up. But I do think that there's a genuine increase over and above the diagnostic ability of the cancer incidence. Uh, and I'm sure that's related to lifestyles. And things that we do not understand. And I think things we do not understand are a big contributor uh, in addition to things we do understand. Right. So largely when we, if we say that, you know, the cause behind cancer and why somebody is affected by cancer remains a mystery. Are we, are we right in still calling it a mystery? I is do believe still... so. I do believe so. All right. I do believe that it remains a mystery, but it's not only a mystery. I do think the lifestyle, lack of exercise, obesity, as this paper said, high glycemic index, smoking for sure. I mean, look at the lung cancer 
proportion. You know, this is not by four times, 40 per 40 times more. So, so smoking uh, and and all the other factors uh, are clearly attributing to it, but there still remains one uh, unknown factor. And in India, I must say that genetics is also playing a role. We thought it didn't a while ago, but we do think it's playing a role now. Right. And like, you know, like I said at the very outset, these, these are global statistics that are glaring. Dr. Watts, what are you seeing anecdotally in the UK, for instance? No, I, I, I agree to what my colleagues are mentioning here. Um, but I would also like to highlight that um, I think so, so there's a slight difference when what we see in UK is the, for example, the screening program that picks up early stage cancers, you know, uh, quite a lot. So if that go, so that number goes to like 30, 35 percent, sometimes even more, depending on what cancer we are talking about. I was looking at one of the Ernest and, and Young's uh, report on India. The screening picks up less than 5 percent of those cancers. And um, and the, the screening, uh, the screening program uptake is also quite, quite low. It is, you know, as low as as 10 percent um, in, in many areas. And of course, the rural urban divide is massive um, in India. Um, and as, as, as it was just mentioned there in urban areas, the incidence of, of uh, or the risks of, um, for example, breast cancer in women is one in 22, whereas in rural India, the same breast cancer risk is roughly around one in 60, if I'm not mm. wrong. Mm. So those differences are also there. And that kind of one point highlights to um, the, the lifestyle changes, the lifestyle issues we are discussing here. <clears throat> In UK, as you asked, um, the the numbers are still rising. There are there are multiple steps, up, especially focused on the screening aspect yes. of things. Whereas we we try to pick up cancers at a very early stage because that not only saves lives, hmm. that saves money, that saves so, a lot of heartbreak from family and friends, and so on. But I think you've touched upon a very important point, and you know, therefore, I think having a voice that understands how it's done elsewhere in the world is also very important. Dr. Shikhande, do you want to come in there? Do you think that the big lacuna, as far as our systems are concerned, is where we're starting? I mean, do we have enough screening? Do we have enough checks? Because like, you know, all of you have agreed that early detection goes a long way in saving lives. Are we really doing enough for early detection? So I think your question is very pertinent, but we need to put it in perspective of an Indian subcontinent, which is, you know, 1.3 billion strong. We need to ask the question that do we have enough doctors? Do we have enough nurses? Uh, do we have good uptake of more and more people who are being trained in medical schools and taking up the specialty of oncology? Uh, do we have all the paramedical staff that is required to try and kind of undertake screening when today we are struggling to even treat the very patients who come to our doorsteps in our hospitals uh, when they come in stage two, stage three and stage four cancer? So, in principle, is screening in selected areas very relevant? Yes, it is very relevant. For selected cancers, should it be done in an ideal way? It should be done. But mind you, there comes a caveat. Uh, for a country which is as vast as India, you can't have a general screening program all over. The answer is by epidemiological studies and by cancer epidemiology, you need to define specific areas and parts of the country which are hotspots for particular cancer. For example, gallbladder cancer in northeastern India, hmm. gastric cancer in North India versus South India, which is relatively uncommon in the western coast of India. Hmm. So we need far more data beyond the national registries that we have. Great work is being done by ICMR and by the government to try and improve our ability hmm. to uh, generate data. Once we have the data, there's no question that we have far many more patients 
uh, that can be screened, detected, and treated. But today, we do not have the manpower, the infrastructure to even treat those who have the cancer. So let's understand and put the whole thing into perspective uh, that in an ideal world, I'm all with what is being done in the UK, and that's the right approach. Uh, but we have already made progress as regards cervical cancer, a very well-known study from Tata Memorial showing yes. how simple screening has enabled us to decrease the incidence of cervical cancer but just by hygiene, nutrition, water hygiene, and health awareness. But you know, then I just, to... I just want to, I, I just want to come down to the very brass tacks. And like I said, you know, one is hoping that this show and taking off from these statistics, we actually provide viewers with information that they can, they can use perhaps. So Dr. Herky, if I were to ask you some very key basic questions as far as diagnosis is concerned, who should get tested? How often should you get tested? What are the big red flags? I mean, how does one go about this? If someone is watching this broadcast and is worried for themselves or their family, what should they do? Okay, I think I'll start from the basics. Uh, know your body well. This is as simple as it sounds, and we don't do that enough. Do you know your body well? If there's a change, please go and see the doctor. If he says, no, this lump is innocuous and you're still worried, actually go and get it tested again. You do know your body well. The second is know your body well. Make sure that you are looking after your health in the preventive measures we spoke about. But over and above that, especially women and men with family history, especially with the rising incidence across the world and across India, I think breast cancer screening is extremely important. So women over 50 must, and over 40 who have family history must go and see uh, and look for cancer screening. I think cervical cancer screening, and more importantly, vaccination, which is still not taking, uh, uh, still not deeply rooted in our society, hmm. is something we need to speak about and speak about loudly. We certainly need to think about colorectal cancer because I do think that incidence is rising. And you can never, ever, ever uh, have a cancer show and not talk about stopping smoking, decreasing tobacco, stopping Absolutely. smoking, decreasing tobacco, smoking, decreasing tobacco. Said. Yes. Has to be said in bold and, and, and underlined there. Dr. Shikande, if I can just come back to you. Who is more prone to cancer? Who needs to get screened on a regular basis? And how does cancer really start? Do we have any answers to some of these questions? There are two, three things just for the sake of the general audience that I wish to highlight that cancer is an uncommon event even today in this world. Yes, if all this gets reported and it's increasing, so that's a source of concern, but it's an uncommon event. Point number two, uh, who is more prone to cancer? I think some of the basic things or the essence of life is moderation. So if you are going to be developing diabetes early, if you're going to be developing obesity early, if you're not taking any efforts to control that, if you're going to be a regular smoker, people need to know that 33% of the cancers of the mouth and the upper aerodigestive tract are all present in India. Unlike the United States, which has only 2% of these cancers, and the only reason is tobacco. So I think who is more prone to developing a lung cancer or an oral cancer are people who consume tobacco or smoking. Who is more prone to cancers in terms of obesity and lack of exercise? Again, these are people who are more prone to yes. cancer. Lack of hygiene, exposure to uh, fumes or bad pollution and chemicals or exposure to toxic heavy metal poisoning, sure. whether it's in industry or it's in our water, is something which is an environmental problem 
and if you are living and in contact with all these uh, situations you are perhaps more prone to cancer so, so you should moment. you should essentially get yourself checked and and how how often should one get checked i mean how often should there be screening and and as this study said now there isn't really a particular age group right i mean everybody technically needs to get screened at some point or the other i think if you have a family history something's like breast cancer and colon cancer and rectal cancer then you need to see the genetic specialists which are available in all the specialist hospitals treating with oncology okay. uh, where preventive oncology comes in a big way right from the very beginning where the entire family can be interviewed and screened if you are having a family history ियमियाटिवेंड uh google per se is now banning milk and uh, grains from our lives you know so we need to put all those things together into account right uh also you know in terms of cure now there is obviously there's a lot to be talked about as far as treatment protocols etc concerned but there is a particular question dr abhiral that i want to ask you which is you know this this new 7 minute cancer treatment that's really made international headlines is this really some game changer what are you seeing anecdotally because if it can dramatically cut down treatment time uh it could potentially uh, you know alter many lives sure thanks thanks ishika but before i jump into that just one line i i wish to add is see the red flags of cancer is a huge thing we don't we, we just need huge uh, public awareness campaign for that so that people can go to the doctor as soon as they see it and and we should have uh, if ever you have another program we should discuss just the red flags because it is that important and it should reach far and wide and saves a lot of time money and everything yes. um uh, coming coming to the jab we are talking about the 7 minute one so i must highlight that this jab which is um uh, at is uh, atezolizumab uh, medicine it it was already present as a treatment aspect for an advanced cancer to give you an idea around 3500 patients in england were were given this and this used to take 40 45 minutes but now the uh, with with the new research the company has produced that it is given within 7 minutes so it it's not a new medicine it's not that it is um, uh, it's a game changer as far as the treatment aspect is concerned hmm. for nhs it's quite important because it's a game changer because it's it it reduces the time a patient spends inside the hospital hmm. um and that those few patients who only go for that jab if patients are also going for chemotherapy and they also get are getting this treatment then they will still be given it uh, intravenously which will take 40 45 minutes or 1 hour so okay. it is and that reduces a lot of you know waiting time waiting list etc this have... procedure can be done as an opt procedure so that is why it is a it's a huge thing for nhs waiting times but mm-hmm. it is not it, it it is in itself it's a molecular therapy so that is a separate right. issue because that Do- is Dr. the game changer i'll give you i'll treatment. give you the final word uh, you know do you think that a magic bullet in terms of treatment protocol or reducing time perhaps will go a long way in dealing with this epidemic no 
with this epidemic? No, I think it will be us looking out after ourselves, really looking after ourselves. Okay. And, and prevention is always better than cure. And then once you find early detection, early treatment. All right. Well, I can't thank you, doctors, enough for joining us. You all are all very busy. Thank you very much for taking the time out. Like I said, we've just managed to scratch the surface of this epidemic. I promise we will continue to track this story and we will do more such shows on We The People here on NDTV. Thank you very much for tuning in this evening.